Talk Radio. Welcome to Let's Talk Tribe. This is your host, Jason Lucart. It's, uh, it's been a while. It's been, I think, about six weeks. The, uh, the Indians were just about to play their wild card game the last time we talked, and uh taken me six weeks to pull myself out of my depression over that loss. No, I don't know. I've been busy, and if your team's not playing in October, there's not a whole lot to talk about. But finally, in the last week or so, there's started to be some some Indians action, and uh, I figured it was time we get this going again. I don't know if we'll do it, probably not every week during the offseason, but maybe try to get back to every other week. Um, so we've got a lot to cover. Maybe talk about the wild card game a little bit. Um, but mostly at this point, it's time to, to look forward to the rest of this offseason in 2014 and uh, see where the team stands. So Ryan Richards, my regular co-host slash lead guest, is going to be joining me again in just a minute. And uh, some some other changes for Let's Go Tribe. Uh, Ryan's run it. He can re- remind me. I think for, for eight years he's been in charge of Let's Go Tribe. And uh, he... He has stepped into my old role, sort of the the number two guy, and I've stepped into the lead editor role. And when he comes down here in a minute, I've got to get him to talk about how he did it for eight years because I've been so incredibly busy for the last month. And uh, it's a, <laughs> a huge amount that goes into running a site like Let's Go Tribe. So here he is, Ryan Richards. Ryan, welcome back to the show. Hey, how's it going? Pretty well. It's going pretty well. Like I said, I've been uh, – Awfully busy. My my actual job as a teacher is uh, a full-time gig. And as I was saying, I have a, a huge added amount of respect for, for you running the show for so many years because uh, there's just a lot to do. Um, so my hat is tips to you. How are you? How are you enjoying your slightly uh, elevated amount of free time? <laughs> oh, pretty good. Uh, of course, real life tends to suck whatever time that you think you're going to have out of there. But, you know, it's it's cool. And, you know, I just want to just say that, I mean, you really, you know, took the ball and ran with it. I mean, you've been done a tremendous job, you know, the first first several weeks here. And, uh, I mean, it's, you know, Let's Go Tribe is in very good hands. Well, thank you. And I'm, I said in my, I said to you at the time that, for me, having you stay on made a big difference because it felt less daunting having you still around. But anyway, I don't think listeners want to hear us gush about one another for too long. So let's 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 get to the Indians. Uh, the last time we talked here was maybe the day of or the day before the wild card game, and Jay joined us that night, and uh, a lot of excitement. So as best you can, take take us back to to watching that game a few weeks ago. What was it what, for you? What, first class what game? What game? Years. What game are you talking about? The the wild card game. <laughs> I remember the first um, inning. Danny Salazar oh, the first great, inning, was, Yeah, the first out. first inning was pretty cool. That was like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be awesome, and uh, it kind of went downhill from there. So, yeah, it but did. you know, I, that beginning Salazar. Uh, you know, I mean, I think people follow sports for a lot of reasons, but sitting at home watching that game on the couch, as electric as he looked, I mean, I can't imagine. I don't mean I don't think it gets much better than the excitement of those first couple innings, and and yeah, it went south after that. 
But I think that that 40 minutes or so of excitement is about as much as you can hope for following sports. Oh, yeah. It, and there's nothing better. I mean, I don't – at least since baseball is concerned, having a dominant pitcher just blowing people away. Yeah. I mean, especially when he's pitching for your team. <laughs> but, right. but so, you know, and so what Salazar did the first couple I, – I think it was like the first time through the – I think what Delman Young was like – was it the third inning he hit the home run? Yeah, I think it was but, leading up Yeah, so – but – Prior to that, he's like, oh, my gosh, you know, if they need to score two runs, they're going to win this game. Right. And, you know, but, and but yeah, and Salazar, the thing is, he's still an unfinished product, and you know he's 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 going to go, he's going to, you know, kind of add to his arsenal, so to speak, in the coming years. But just having a, a guy with basically a fastball and changeup just, go through a lineup, you know, like the first Detroit game. That was pretty cool to see and that was definitely one of the highlights of the of the season. Right. To see to see him kind of pop out of nowhere. I mean not exactly nowhere, but kind of be all we hoped he would be. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right, not out of nowhere, but it's not like he was a you know, he he wasn't on any top 100 prospect list or anything like that either. So uh, yeah, I think you're right. If he can, if he can add one more pitch, um, what he's got is great. He just needs a little more variety to keep hitters yeah, off because, balance. Because, yeah, because major league lamps is you know we we saw it it's, at portions of you know his his first season they can adjust to 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 that fastball even as electric as that fastball is. So because hitters are so good and there's everyone at the major league level, just about everyone can hit a fastball. And so you, you know, you just have to put that grain of uncertainty into their minds so that they at least start thinking of a pitch other than that fastball. And if that can happen, then that fastball becomes even better. Right. Well, all right. So we're talking about Salazar. Let's stay in the starting rotation. Um, Masterson ought to be back to 100%. I don't think his ribcage injury is the kind of thing that should give us too much concern. Uh, Salazar, I think, is certainly in the rotation at this point. Corey Kluber is going to be back in McAllister. And then Ubaldo and, and Kazmir, uh, both free agents at this point. Um, you think there's any chance either of them is back? Would you like either of them back, given what they're likely to cost? I've kind of had a, a couple of weeks to think about Ubaldo. I mean, it's just a – given what he's going to get on the market, and I don't think there's any doubt that he'll get – any less than four, you know, at least at least three years, probably four, maybe five, five-year contract. Right. Given, you know, it, I mean, he's been a durable pitcher as bad as he's been, so and that's usually what limits your your years. Right. And I, I just, I mean, that's a huge risk. I mean, I don't care how good he was, but I'm also thinking about what can happen, you know, with his with his windup or and his mechanics, and you know, one little thing gets off or something, who knows? So I'm kind of glad that the Indians aren't even going to have a chance in some respects. In other respects, I'm kind of, you know, I kind of, it kind of sinks that we had the great Ubaldo for half a season and that's all we're going to get. But I'm okay with that. Um, Kazmir, uh, I, I just, I don't know. I'd like to see him back. 
And I'm maybe maybe the Indians know something that we don't. Maybe it's because of they don't think he can handle, you know, uh, next year, you know, being his first, you know, year after pitching. I don't know how many innings he ended up pitching, 160 innings or so. Right. Um, what's that going to do? How's he going to look next year? Maybe that's why they're unwilling to, to go multiple years, as kind of the rumors are saying. Right. So, I, but I I'd, I'd like to see Casmer back, but I don't think the Indians are interested, seemingly. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, there have been reports that they were only interested in a one-year deal. Uh, and I can see that as the preference. And it could just be that that's posturing and they end up signing him for two years. But, uh, yeah, I I have a hard time believing, even with, you know, his, his 2009 to 2012, that they really wouldn't be willing to go a second year. Uh, you know, well, but we'll see. I, I would like to see him back, too. I think at this point, Another starting pitcher is the most pressing need because Masterson, Kluber, Salazar, McAllister, and that that blank, if there's not a free agent, you're looking at, I think, either Trevor Bauer, Josh Tomlin, or Carlos Carrasco. And for for different reasons, I don't like the idea of any of those guys in the rotation right now. No, yeah, Uh, you want those guys to be depth. You don't want to have to depend on that guy. I mean, it, right. I, at some at some point in time, you're going going to have to depend on that guy, you know, because you're most of the time you're going to need seven or eight pitchers, starting pitchers. But to start out a season with Trevor Bauer, that just scares me. <laughs> it's right. because of what, what we saw, at, you know, when he was up here at, some, at at different points in the season. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I exactly. I mean, you're you're going to need your six and seven starters, maybe your eight starter, but. You want to need them when someone else hits the DL, which inevitably they will. And you want to need them for two or three starts. You don't want to be looking for 32 starts from Carlos Carrasco next year. I don't think. No, I don't. Yeah. I, and I don't think I don't think the Indians do either. So I, um, I mean, now that you know, it seems like the position players have been taken care of. I think for now, that uh, I'm assuming that their full attention will now be filling that fifth starter spot. Right. And there's some decent guys out there. You know, they're, they're not, I, I, I agree with you of all those gone, uh, you know, take the draft pick and move on. Uh, you know, Matt Garza, guys like that aren't going to be here, but I think there's some, some decent, you know, sort of second tier solid, you know, fourth starter type guys, including Casimir. Uh, maybe there's enough guys out there, but I, I do think the Indians are going to have to be willing to go, two years on one of these guys, I think just given the market. Uh, oh yeah. You know, yeah. Like- when, when, yeah. It'd be, and also because there isn't like that big guy out there that, you know, you had Zach Ranke last year, who was that big guy this year. Is Ubaldo Jimenez the best guy in the market? Maybe. I um, listed him as so, the best. I mean, I think Matt yeah, Harris is going to get the most money. Uh, yeah. Irvin that's Santini. true. Maybe, and yeah, would you would you really equate either of those guys to a top pitcher? No, no. I. <laughs> it's, no, I mean, but so I and pitching you and starting pitching especially is always going to get inflated, especially with all the TV dollars in people's pockets now. So it's it, I think some of the contracts we'll see, especially for the pitchers, will, will shock a lot of people. But I mean, that's that's because there's a lot of money in the game right now. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the Tim Hudson signing was was a good example. Two years, twenty three million uh, for yeah. the Giants. And, <laughs> Used uh, to be twelve million dollars was for the the top pitchers not that long ago. Right. So it, yeah, I mean, and Hudson's I think thirty eight, coming off a, a pretty bad ankle injury. I think a lot of guys. I think you know eleven, twelve million a year for one year wouldn't have been a big surprise. Um, but I think a lot of teams, or I mean, a lot of you know fans. Uh, he would probably have to settle for one year at his age, but nope, sure enough. He found someone to – he didn't have to wait long. Uh, no. And, I, yeah, I, I think, uh, like you said, that the position players, which we can get to in just a minute, I think in terms of adding people, that's just about finished. There might be uh, a subtraction or two, but I don't think they're adding anyone else there. And, I don't know, I was looking at their budget – it's a little hard to know with arbitration figures and stuff like that. I feel like if the Indians roster was the players I have under contract right now, they'd be just a little under 80. And all the reports have them not going much above that, which is about, you know, 80 is about what they were last year. So let's say they've got, you know, seven or eight million to spend. That's not enough to, that's obviously not enough to add, you know, someone valued like Tim Hudson now that we've seen what he signs for. So, um, who do you and, and I think we're both going to land on the same name here in a minute but among position players who do you see that you think is the most likely to be headed out either to bring someone back as a pitcher uh, or to clear up some money to sign someone well I guess I'll I guess I'll start with kind of the non-obvious choice would I mean people have kind of thrown like Michael Bourne's name around a little bit now, if they really wanted to, like, really clear some, ca- I mean, not cap room, but but stat- but payroll room, if they yeah. wanted had had another guy they want to sign, they probably could move him, but I I just don't think they would. Um, there yeah. because it, it kind of what what message does that send after you? And I, and I know it's a business, but if you're gonna be in, you know, trying to keep that same organization for a while and keep that consistency, that that's kind of hard to do to sign a guy and, and then trade him a, a year later. There's right. Estrubal Cabrera, but I I don't really think he's – I don't know. who. You guess you never know, but I don't – I think they missed their window to trade him last winter, and yep. they're not really going to get much value from him except maybe in a pure salary dump, and that's really right. not worth it. And so obviously then you have um, Drew Subs, who – and that seems to be the direction they're going because they – they signed a guy to, to play right field, probably, and to share time with Ryan Rayburn. And Drew Stubbs seems to be the odd man out because they can either non-tender him or trade him. And it seemed, and you'd have to think that by signing Murphy, that mm-hmm. they had already had some initial trade talks with teams and knew that there was interest in, in trading Stubbs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Stubbs, and you know he he's not going to bring back a ton or free up a ton of money. I think he's he's in line for something like four million this year. Um, no, it's yeah, it's it's not yeah, it's not it's they're not going to get a great prospect for Drew Stubbs. Right, I, they might get a a comparable complimentary player for him, but but you know, but I think it's it Murphy over Stubbs, I think is an upgrade, especially on offense. Yeah. Oh yeah. Certainly. I, I, I definitely, I mean, especially because he fits with Rayburn as a platoon. Um, 
you know, Stubbs and Rayburn have the same platoon split and both hit lefties really well and can't really hit righties. And uh, David Murphy, on the other hand, you know, he's got, it's a little inflated playing half his games in Texas, but he's got something like a, you know, an 830 OPS against righties. Um, so, I mean, he, he he's a good platoon match for, for Stubbs or Rayburn, but I think Rayburn's the guy they keep. He's cheaper and probably seen as, you know, a little higher ceiling uh, in that platoon role. Yeah, I think Stubbs is a guy who will get moved. I think you're right that the Indians have probably already had some preliminary talks. And he has value. I mean, $4 million for he's not a great hitter, but if you trade him to a team that can platoon him, um, well, or 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 the or the or the thing I was thinking of. I mean, the team that would value a Drew subs the most would be a team looking for a center fielder, because right. I think I think possibly you know it's kind of confounded a little bit by some of the defensive ratings he got, and, and may, I was maybe thinking that possibly it's because moving to a corner is a lot different, you know, being it, fielding a fielding a ball in the corner. As a corner outfielder, is a lot more. It's a lot more is just different for a guy who played right. most of his career as a center fielder. So maybe if a team says, "Oh, we can move him back to center field. He's going to be a great fielder for us. He's going to, you know, be either a leadoff guy or maybe a bottom of the order guy, um, steal some bases. You know, and maybe we got a platoon guy. We can platoon him in left right. or in center field and right or right field or something." There's a lot of options yeah, for I, for a guy like him. I think you're right. I think there are other teams that will value him more than you know than he's worth to the Indians right now. I remember, and I I think I've mentioned this before, uh, before the 2012 season, I was talking with Kevin Goldstein, uh, who at the time was working for Baseball Prospectus as sort of like their head scouting guy, and now works for the Houston Astros as one of their head scouting guys. Um, and he was adamant that the best defensive center fielder in baseball was Drew Stubbs. And, uh, you know, I, I think about that when I look at defensive metrics. And, you know, we talk about, a lot about how uh, there's a much lower confidence in the defensive metrics than the ones for offense. Um, and given that a team hired him, you know, to kind of run in their scouting department, I have to think there are a lot of major league teams that – regardless of whatever metrics we can see at fan graphs or baseball reference or baseball perspectives, that there are a lot of guys making these decisions who still see him as a good defender. And and that's where kind of the idea of trading born kind of makes sense for from a positional space. If you think that Drew Subs is at his best in center field and he's only making 4 million or probably 4 million this year, then right. that if you can trade Bourne and then move subs to center field and use the money on on you know on another upgrade, that make may may it makes sense too. But right. I think probably the path of least resistance is to trade Drew Subs to, to somebody who can use them in center field. Yeah. I think uh, it sounds like this is sort of what you were saying about Bourne. Like I wouldn't mind from getting out from underneath that contract. Uh but it's tough for a contending team given they're not going to get a star back for Michael Bourne. They could probably get someone to take that contract in exchange for just about nothing and free up the money. But I think it's hard for a contending team to, to basically give away its center fielder and lead off man and feel like they're improving the team. And the Indians, you know, to a large extent are in win now mode. So uh, 
Yeah, sure. it's hard for me to. Yeah, pick and and, and yeah, even yeah, and, and if if it was Bourne versus Stubbs on offense, I still take Bourne. So, yeah, and yeah. and we and we know Bourne is still a very good center fielder. Yeah, yeah, I think Bourne 2013 as disappointing as it was. Uh, I, I still think that's sort of the floor for what he's going to do for at least another year or two. Um, you know, I think he'll probably rebound a little bit. He's not going to get back to what he was in 2011, 2012. But he also wasn't a bad player in 2013. Uh, he just wasn't as good as he was before, which is a little disappointing. But he's a solid player. Um, well, how did you – so David Murphy, the last night – well, I guess technically he hasn't signed. He has to have a physical. But barring anything goofy <laughs> coming up in the physical um, – you talked about him platooning. Uh, how do you how do you feel about his signing? Well, I, I mean, it's it's kind of one of those kind of hidden upgrades that it's not going to seem huge right up front. But what obviously Murphy gives you that that Stubbs didn't, you know, on, on this current roster was kind of it makes more sense. Right field will make more sense right now from from a platoon standpoint and. There'll be specific, and Francona will manage it perfectly last year anyway. But now there's, you know, Rayburn is going to play somewhat regularly a couple times a week. He's not an everyday player, and Francona won't play him every day. But so that Murphy kind of fits that hole perfectly. Right. Be, you know, before he had Stubbs kind of trying to fill that role, and because of his just, you know, his struggles against you know, right-handed pitching, it. When he faced a right-handed pitcher, he, it was a hole in the lineup. Now the Indians won't have that hole against right-handed pitchers. Yeah, and he's 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 a pretty decent fielder. Uh, I mean, he's been playing left field, so there'll be a transition, and uh, you know, you, you need a, diff- a stronger arm in right. Um, but Murphy's been a pretty good fielder, so I, you know, you're you're going to get no, yeah. Yeah, and it's not like he's just a just an offense only guy, kind of like a David DeLucci back in the day. What well, he's he could he could even play center field too. I mean, if he needed him to, the Indians don't wouldn't need him to. But um, right. yeah, so he, they're not gonna there is it's not gonna be a not gonna be he's not gonna be a limiting you know a a bad thing in, in right field. Right. So the lineup, we both seem to agree, is probably pretty set. I know there's some people, you know, there, there's a sense that maybe an upgrade at third base would be nice. Uh, but one, the money's not there for it. And two, I think Chisholm Hall is still young enough that, uh, you know, I've stopped thinking of him as maybe a future all-star. Uh, but he wasn't he wasn't bad in 2013, and he's young enough uh you know, the Indians are going to have some question marks, and I think you could have worse question marks than him. Um, yeah, yeah, you're going to have to – the Indians are going to have to, you know, take chances on young players um, just because of the market they're in and the payroll they're going to run. They're, I don't think they're ever going to ha- not have – what's the phrase I'm looking for? They're, they're always going to have to take chances on, on young players – and they're going to get burned sometimes, and sometimes it's going to pay off because they're always going to have to have that young wave of talent coming through, the next wave, I guess, to kind of offset some, you know, paying some of the Borns and the Swishers and, and Masterson if they extend into the world. 
because they can't mm-hmm. have all veterans on their on their roster and be able to maintain a you know a middle market to lower market payroll. Right. So Chisholm Chisholm Hall I think is part of that that plan. I, he's he's this is going to be a make or break year for him. If he doesn't do it this year, they'll look for something else. But I think you're right. They'll they'll take it. They might bring in someone to, to compete with him somewhat for it, maybe like a minor league guy. But I think it's right. his job. Well, you've got so Gomes catching, Swisher at first, Kipnis at second, Cabrera at short, Tisenhall, Brantley, Bourne, Murphy slash Rayburn, and then Santana DHing. I mean, that's a lot of solid hitters. And basically, that means Chisholm's your number nine hitter. Uh, you know, it, it's not like you've got him batting fifth or sixth, then you're, you know, hoping he's driving in your three and four hitters regularly. Uh, you know, I think the lineup with Chisholm, even if he's the same hitter he was, and I think he can be better, but even if he's not, uh, you know, as number nine hitters go, that's that's not all that bad, really. No, and, and he showed, and he and he even in September and in the wild card game he showed flashes, where you know, he was he was contributing. I mean, in the wild card game, yeah. <laughs> ten times better than, right. than Swisher or Cabrera, who's spent you know probably ten times or probably much more than that play had ten times the playoff experience he had. Right. Yeah, I don't I don't feel bad having Chisholm Hall at third base. Um, I'm pretty happy with the lineup. You know, there's there's not, you know, there's no Miguel Cabrera, but but 29 teams don't have a Miguel Cabrera. Or, you know, 25 teams don't have that type of hitter. So I don't think it's worth getting bent out of shape that you don't have that kind of hitter. Um, I want to come back to the trading. I think the trade conversation that interests me the most and frustrates me the most is the idea that uh, Carlos Santana should be traded now that we have Jan Gomes. Um, Santana just criminally underrated. And it, I feel like, uh, you know, I know I'm preaching to the, to the choir talking to you, um, but I, I feel like we're beating a dead horse sometimes at Let's Go Tribe talking about it. But it really feels like a huge number of fans just see Santana as a disappointment. And now that we have Jan Gomes, he should go. Um, so just because I feel like venting well, yeah. about it, let's talk about Santana and Gomes. How do you feel, you know, having both of them on the roster? I have no problem with it. Um, and I think, you know, I think listening to some like kind of early quotes in the off season, I don't think the Indians have any problem with it either because number one, I mean, Santana will, can, will catch, at, you know, sometimes because right. – and number two, I mean, he's a great hitter. I don't care where you put him at. Right. And, you know, being able to DH, play a little first base, catch a little bit, that, I mean, that's a that's a great weapon for any lineup. I I've, Even as a DH, name even two or three better DHs than yeah. Santana would be. You can't. It's, and it's <laughs> the same thing at first base. There's like – five better hitting first baseman in baseball. And a couple of them are basically close, but because he doesn't hit 35 home runs, people don't see him that way. Uh, yeah. And, that, and that's, that's part of it because he, he walks a lot and walks aren't really kind of a, a sexy thing. 
<laughs> um, they're not. He's not hitting home runs like. I mean, he hits pretty good home runs. He, I think, we had twenty, twenty some this year. I think around yeah, 20. 20. So and but it, he hits doubles. He he, and he's impressive if you watch him on an everyday basis. Just the way he attacks hitters or pitchers, yeah. and he'll he'll have long at bats. He'll kind of he'll he'll wear out a he'll wear around a pitcher just from his three or four at bats, and that's even even just doing that. Is you know is 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 a nice weapon to have on your team. Yeah, yeah. He led the team in on base percentage. He led the team in slugging percentage. He's the team's best hitter, and people, you know, want to get rid of him. And he signed to a really good contract. That's the other part of it. Oh, that, yeah, that's that's, that's, <laughs> that's even better because I, I mean, he he signed through was it 2016, 2017, four more years. Okay. 2017 and none of those and none of those and none of those those contract years are really very very bad and by the time we get to that point it'll look like a like a bargain even you know even towards the latter stages of that contract yeah the 27 op 2017 option is 12 million and we just saw what tim hudson got (laughs) right and that's an option so if you know if he really goes downhill then you don't you don't you don't activate that. They they're paying him three and a half million dollars next year. He's their best hitter, and he can play That's catcher. Crazy. I mean, I mean, I look at you know when Jan because no one can play catcher every day. I, you know, even if you're totally healthy, you're sitting out a game a week. And the difference of having Carlos Santana still in the lineup playing catcher versus like a Lou Marson in the lineup. Most teams, the day your catcher doesn't play, you have a pretty terrible hitter. And, you know, that's one or two games a week that instead of that Lou Marson in the game, you just still have Carlos Santana. And instead, you have your best bench hitter moving into the lineup as your DH or something like that. And I think especially well, and, and the manager, having that flexibility is a huge thing. I don't know why so many fans are in a rush to lose that flexibility that almost no team in baseball has. Well, and also, of course, you've seen this with with Joe Maurer, but for different reasons. I I, th- I think next year, if Santana is okay with it and does mentally, I guess, with DHing most of the time, I mean, down the stretch in July or August, he's going to be a better hitter, right? Just by not having that, you know, not getting the foul tips and the 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 physical strain and mental strain of of catching every day. Right. And that's that should have you know, a good effect on on his bat, you know, going down the stretch. Because usually that's where you see catchers kind of start to fall off in kind of August, late July type. So not, you know, basically just be, being a hitter for the for the whole season will help. Not having to play the field. Yeah. And, you know, you, you can he, to have your, your DH who can fill in for your catcher once or twice a week, who can fill in for your first baseman and let – him DH once or twice a week. And yeah, I, I think for a team with the Indians budget, uh, I love that their lineup has so much flexibility, guys who can play different positions, uh, you know, switch hitters. I, I feel like they're, they're well suited for you know, any kind of pitcher and, and things like that. Um, I think, I think it's one of the, you know, three or four best lineups in the American league. And I, that's not what any of our concerns about next year need to be. It's the pitching because right now there's still only the four of them, 
Um, is there any of the pitchers, you know, Ubaldo's gone, Matt Garza's gone. We talked a little about Casimir. If it's not Casimir, uh, are there any other pitchers who stand out to you or do you just want to, you know, we need someone, but. Um, well, I kind of, I kind of look, kind of look through this. I mean, kind of mentally taken out some of the, most of the, most of the top guys. I, I guess you right. call them top guys because they're the best out there, but the Indians aren't going to sign Matt Garza or Ubaldo or uh, Irvin Santana. So I'm, I'm more, I'm looking towards the, the kind of bottom or the middle half of that list. I kind of, two kind of representative guys. One is Scott Feldman. who's kind of not a, he, w- he wouldn't, you know, be a huge signing by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but I think he'd be a solid signing. He'd be kind of like your, I mean, exactly what he'd be your fourth or fifth starter, probably most likely fifth yeah. starter. And, but you, you kind of know what you're going to get from him. He's a decent strikeout rate. I think what, six, six strikeouts per nine innings. And you kind of know what you're in, you know, if you sign up for two years, you pretty much know what you're going to get. The other guy is kind of a wild card is Phil, Phil Hughes is kind of at times, you know, what, what, what could he do kind of away from New York with a new pitching coach and Mickey Calloway, we've kind of seen what he's done to Scott Casimir and Jimenez and other guys. What would he, what would he do? But, the risk there is, you know, it's a big risk reward factor with him. So, so, right. so Phil Hughes and, and Scott Feldman, um, you know, Bronson Arroyo, no, absolutely no way, shape or form should the Indians even look at him. Um, he's, a, he's one guy that's like, say, far, far away if you're an American League team. Because it's, um, yeah, and I'm kind of, I was kind of happy that the Twins were looking at him because uh, the Indians would be facing him five or six times a year. Yeah, I I, uh, I think Hughes isn't interesting for the reasons you said, um, and it's amazing. And and part of me knows how incredibly foolish this is, um, but the turnaround in the Indians pitching from 2012 to 2013, there's a huge part of my brain that's just like, oh yeah, Mickey Calloway, he'll get him turned around, he'll do great, and Phil Hughes seems like the perfect kind of project for that. Uh, you know, look what look what happened with the ball, though. Look what happened with Casimir and, you know, Corey Kluber coming along. Um, I'm totally falling into the trap of they should just sign someone with high upside because Callaway will will make it work somehow. And that's certainly <laughs> Phil Hughes. <laughs> yeah, that, that, of course, now that, now that you say that, you don't want to just say we're going to basically hamstring ourselves with risky guys just because we know Callaway did it the one time. And yeah, I kind of know where you're going. So, I guess I guess Feldman would be kind of like the safe pick, but right. kind of you're hoping that they would at least maybe, if not Phil Hughes, then somebody kind of of that ilk, maybe as a minor league non-roster guy or something. So a Callaway project of the year of 2014, I guess. Right. Yeah, I, I think Casimir of the guys who seem feasible, you know, possible would still be my top choice. Um, but he was the sort of intriguing just because of that, you know, the, the sense of maybe what he could be. Uh, we'll see. They got to sign someone though. They, if Carlos Carrasco is in the starting rotation come opening day, I'm going to be awfully disappointed. Um, 
So we've talked about the lineup. We've talked about the rotation that just leaves the bullpen, which I've saved because I don't think there's a whole lot to say about it. Uh, Chris Perez is gone. I'm sure you you shed a few tears about that. My, I shed a single tear for him. <laughs> um, uh, and I think that's oh, okay. a pretty opening, a pretty open and close case. Uh, the Indians can't pay Chris Perez nine million dollars. No, uh, it, it, from a ba- for, even from a baseball standpoint, it was a no-brainer. And I think after yeah. all the episodes, I guess, over the last three or four years that they've gone through, I think it was a very easy decision. And obviously they made it on the first day they could make it, which kind of <laughs> says a lot. Um, or or maybe it was just say, hey, Chris, we're just going to let you be a free agent along with everyone else. So we'll we'll do this right. good deed for you on your way out. But either way, he's he's gone and he kind of knew he was going to be gone. Are you concerned about the bullpen? Do you want to see them sign a, a decent name to shore it up, or you a decent name? Oh, yeah, I I hate spending money on relievers. I don't know what it is. It's just like you know you have to have a good bullpen, but you just hate spending money on on guys. Remember Kerry Wood? How that? Oh went. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't want to remind everyone, but I just, if the Indians are going to spend money, spend it on the starting rotation, spend it anywhere, but just don't spend $8 million on Fernando Rodney or whoever else of the proven closer ilk they want, it, they want to bring in. Right. I'd rather yeah, than... I, I, I uh... The, the proven closer doesn't do much for me because even the proven ones are usually only proven for two or three years if they're not Rivera or Joe Nathan. And uh, yeah, I, I just don't think that a team like the Indians can can be spending what it what it costs for someone who's going to throw 60, 65 innings. Uh, you know, they've got a, some decent arms already. There've got to be a couple guys in the minors. You know, Carlos Carrasco is a perfect example of someone who. So far, has not been able to make it work as a starter, but maybe could be a reliever, which Mariano Rivera, failed starting pitcher who turned into the greatest reliever of all time. Uh, yeah, I and even, even, the guys they, even, even the guys they picked up, like Matt Capps, really didn't do anything for them last year, but they re-signed him. So maybe they think right. – and, and he's had some success elsewhere. Blake Wood, he kind of – they kept on the 40-man roster all year. So obviously right. they, they – think he can help. Frank Herman is coming back from Tommy John surgery. You can run down the list, you know, of hot, you know, kind of guys who could step in, you know, from almost, you know, anonymity to, to kind of, you know, be not, if not the closer, at least, a, you know, important contributor to the bullpen. Right. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I don't want to see them spend any money on a reliever. I think <laughs> maybe they get a, you know, a cheap arm back for Drew Stubbs, uh, and they use the, the $10 million or so they have left to get that fifth starting pitcher. Um, you mentioned the 40-man roster, which they uh, made some moves on that today, adding some new guys to protect them from the Rule 5 draft. Um, <laughs> any of the names on there that stood out for you as guys you were particularly pleased that they protected or surprised they protected? Anyone you think is going to be helping the Indians in the next year or two? Well, I guess of my four, I guess let me just come clean. The way four guys I um, predicted was 
Carlos Moncrief, which I think was was a given. Um, I also the Giovanni Urshela, which apparently no one else likes, but I do. But he wasn't he wasn't protected. Um, he's third baseman, good glove, not much bat yet. Um, the other two guys, Giovanni Soto, not to be confused with the Giovanni Soto, the catcher, but the left-hander the Indians got for Johnny Peralta. He's uh, he was left unprotected, and I also. Um, also, Brian Price from uh, was those are my four. Got two of them right. Uh, Moncrief and Price were protected by the Indians, along with um, Jesus Aguiar, um, who's kind of. I kind of knew that he was he, he was worth protecting, but I thought maybe they would try to sneak him through because not many clubs kind of draft kind of a, a first baseman type without really much else positional utility um and the uh they also protected austin adams kind of one of their kind of triple a double a raft of kind of interesting relief arms uh austin adams is kind of interesting guy he was uh had shoulder surgery and it's come back from that and it's thrown in the upper 90s so um interesting uh kind of recovery story for there and so he'll be on the 40-man roster and also kind of the wild card of of the uh, deadline was a a shortstop, Eric Gonzalez, who spent most of the year um, in Lake County and was promoted to Carolina. But apparently they found enough of him towards the end of the year to roster him, which is kind of interesting because the, uh, the organization seems to be pretty much set at shortstop, you know, even beyond Lindor. Um, So it's interesting that they, they, they thought enough of him with even, you know, the other depth in their system to protect him. But again, they, a couple years or two or three years ago, they protected Salazar who was, he was kind of in a similar spot and, you know, and he turned out pretty good. So I guess we'll see. If there's one of those guys playing in Cleveland this September, who do you think it's going to be? Well, I think obviously the two relievers, um, Adams and Price will definitely – you'll probably see them at some point. They're on the 40-man roster. You know how bullpens go. Yeah. You have a bad – you have a doubleheader. Somebody, you know, somebody – a starter had a bad outing, so you blew up your bullpen. They'll, you'll see them at some point. They both can help. Moncrief, I'm a huge fan of. I think a lot of other people are because it's kind of – he's the prototypical right fielder, great arm, former pitcher, good speed good defense and you know this past year he started hitting for power um but i'm not sure how quickly he'll he'll get to the majors but i'm I'm sure he'll start in triple a as would um aguilar so but i think i think adams and price will be the the two guys that you'll see the quickest um aguilar and moncrief could come later in the year and you probably won't see gonzalez at all all this year so you'll He's kind of stuck behind the uh, Akron group of guys, if, especially if Lindor stays in Akron. So, um, yeah, he'll he'll probably be he'll probably he's at least a couple years away. All right, good to know. You that, you have much better prospect Indians minor league knowledge than I do. So I appreciate you filling me in. Francisco Lindor, on the other hand, I know. Do you think we'll see him in Cleveland this year, or we're going to wait till 2015? Yeah, that's 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 because I don't think Azrubal Cabrera 
will be traded because I, I don't think the Indians could get enough for him without just being a, a flat salary dump. So I think Cabrera would, would have to get hurt or something like that in order to see him before like the, you know, end of the year, like August, September timeframe. So, I mean, so I, I would say end of the year in 2014. All right. And I mark that down and hold you to it. Ryan, thank you for <laughs> joining like, me again. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk again later on in the winter. Hopefully about, uh, hopefully we'll have a fifth starting pitcher to discuss, I guess. Hey, that was Ryan Richards, and this has been Let's Talk Tribe. Like I said, I don't think we're going to do this every week during the off season, but I've uh, I got a couple guests I'm excited to talk to, sort of semi-lined up, and uh, you know, maybe every couple weeks or so get on here and see what's going on with the Indians and around the rest of baseball. Uh, anyway, this has been your host, Jason Lucart. Thanks for listening.